So we're in John chapter 13. It's point number three of last week's sermon, but yet I have three more points. Go figure. The glory of Christ, a new commandment, nothing shall separate us from His love. You see, last week I talked about betrayal and denial. And betrayal and denial are real, and they hurt. I know some of you have reached out, and it, it kind of festered some things, and then, but yet God was able to come and to bring healing and hope in those areas and continue to do His work. That's what all this is about, pastoring and preaching. It is about us coming to that place where Christ is showing Himself to us, and we're being challenged by the Word of God, and we leave here better. We not always feel great, but we are changed because we heard truth. But you see, in the midst of this, Christ shows up miraculously. If I was Christ in this moment, I would want to pack it in. Knowing that I'm getting ready to be betrayed to my death, knowing that the one who the church is going to be built upon is going to deny me three times. And then Satan had asked permission to sift Peter. And Jesus prayed for him. If that was me, I would say, I'm going home. I'm taking my ball, which I don't like those people that do that. They take their ball and they go home. That's not our Christ. And because it's not our Christ, we can stand very much on a firm foundation today. And we can live a life that is victorious. And let's talk about the glory of Christ today. Let's read in uh, verse 31 through 33, and then we'll skip over to John to chapter 14, 1 through 6. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will also glorify Him in Himself and will glorify Him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek Me, and as I said to the Jews, now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. If you can imagine it just for the moment, I've often thought about this, what it was like to be a disciple in those moments. Knowing that the one who you have hung your hat on, who you love, who has loved you completely, all of a sudden is going away and you cannot come. My heart would be troubled. So we're going to skip a few verses and to go to John 14. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And this is where I have in my notes somewhere, maybe in my yellow pages, glory. Glory. Like it makes you want to shout and just say, hallelujah. 
And it's one of those things that when he says, I go, then I will come back. If it were not told, if it was not true, I would have told you. You can take it to the bank. Christ is not a liar. He stands on his truth. And he says, and then he has the audacity to say, and you know the way where I am going. And thank God for Thomas. Thank God for Thomas. Thomas said to him, oh, and by the way, when I say thank God, I'm not using God as a byword. I am thanking God. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And so I want to talk just briefly from the point of the glory of Christ. And where we are to go and what we are to think, what we are to do. I was hoping he would come back before Javen found him. I think it, ha- I think it worked. Like, okay, that was, that's going to my head. I'm sorry. Like, trouble. No. <laughs> And, but that's what we want. I want trouble. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit. So glory, glorified. We think about this just for a moment. As we often pray, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. Lord, Your glory, unto You, unto You, unto You only, Your glory. But as I was thinking about that this week, and I thought just for a moment, wait, 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 Lord. You're glorified. So would You do something special with us as a church? Would You show us Your glory? You're already glorified. We as a people, we need to see Your glory. It's already happening. This is like salvation. I don't accept Jesus. Instead, I believe in who He is. You could say, well, you're in semantics and saying, well, then you accept Him. No, I'm just coming to faith to say, no, that's who He is. Think about the glory for a moment in the temptation that Jesus had to face. Is that when He was in the wilderness, Satan came to Him and He took Him to a lofty place. And He said, I will give you these kingdoms if you bow down to Me. And Jesus said with the Word of God, He used the Word of God and said, we, you should not bow a knee be, be and I should go to it, and here I've got it. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Satan is saying this to Jesus. Jesus answered him, and it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. You see, Christ could have did like some of us do. I'm living this life in the flesh. I'm going to seek the glory and the riches of today. It's all before me. This is how I'm going to live. I'm going to bow my knee to the culture of the day. Instead, Christ 
being perfect, went against the temptation. He could have exchanged the glory of God for the glory of man. We see that in Romans 1, right? That, that man has exchanged the glory of God for images. So much so should it surprise us that our culture is where it is at because he says that he's going to give us over to depravity. Which is really sad because we're already depraved outside of the gospel. But see, Jesus did something that we could not do for ourselves. He didn't exchange the glory of God for the glory of man. Remember in John 13, 3, I already said this, that Jesus knew the Father had given Him all things and that He had come from God and He was going back to God. He knew who He was. I can't think of a bigger and better time for Christians to know who they are in Christ. That's why the songs today were so important. We need to remind ourselves, and if you're part of our Facebook page, and is it, I put a, a thing out there by David Platt, and, and, and I know I'm not supposed to use names, but as they were looking, he said, as we looked at each other, we were singing to one another. And sometimes we need to sing to one another who we are in Christ. Encourage one another. No, this is who I am in Christ. Brother Greg, you are a child of God. And I would expect the same thing back. We need that in the body today, don't we? More than ever today. But Jesus knew who he was. And, and as, he, as he's saying this, God, you are going to glorify me immediately. What does that glorification look like? The Bible gives us the answer. In Ephesians chapter 1. I think I have Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through 23, but because I'll skip a little bit, but I'll start 15. It says, For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, and then he goes on and he says a few things and we're going to take back up in... Um, we'll go to verse 18. And by the time I said all that, I could have read it. And he prays for the church that they had wisdom, revelation, knowledge. But he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? His power toward us who believe. That's why we're not to have fear, because there's power. Wonder-working power. And the precious blood of the Lamb. But these, these are in accordance with working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. That is glory. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is glory. God fulfilled right before us the very words that Christ said that immediately I would be glorified. So we have a Lord that sits above the flood. We have a Lord that His voice is louder than the roaring waters. We have a Lord that has not stepped down from His throne, nor will He step down from His throne except when He dwelt with us. This glory. We need to know this glory. So may we say a different kind of prayer, Lord, be glorified in this place. Not, Lord, be glorified in this place, but show us your glory. But listen to this, we can pray. Yet we can pray that He would be glorified through us by our obedience to Him. The, the Word is clear on how we should live. Let me do this in Arkansan simple form. Jesus glorified the Father. How? His obedience. That's exactly right. His obedience is how Jesus glorified the Father. And it even goes on. We won't cover it today, but in, in John 14... Uh, Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does His works. I am always amazed at Christ. He did nothing outside of the Father's will and His initiative. And as reading these scriptures, I'm like, Lord, help me do nothing outside of your will and your purposes. But here's the good news. We're going to cover it in the, the next few weeks is that He has empowered us by the Holy Spirit to do what the Father has asked us to do. Now we realize there's flesh involved. But the perfect one died for the imperfect. So we want to live for the glory of God. Well, how do we do that? We become obedient to His call. And saying what He wants us to say. Let's move on to point number two. A new commandment. In verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also ought to love one another. 
By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I can't think of a better time to hear this message. We need to stop and think for a moment how we are talking to one another. How we are communicating at this time. This is exactly the enemy has is in his camp right now. What do I mean by that? Because he's dividing us. Which is exactly working right into his plans. But here's the deal. i got to back up. Can I back up just for a moment? Because I have to make some real clear statements here. From Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. I want to visit that again. And I'm sorry I have to because it's important. And many of you know this. This isn't new information, but some of you need to hear this. True biblical Christianity is the only way to the Father. And that way, you might be asking, well, well, which is the way? It's exclusive. It's Jesus Christ. He's the only way, the only truth. He's the life. He's everything to us. Listen. Jews believed Jesus was Mary's son, that he was a good teacher. He had many disciples, was respected, performed miracles, claimed to be the Messiah, and was crucified on the cross, but he claimed to be the Messiah. They all also acknowledged that his followers reported Jesus as being raised from the dead, which they, the unbelieving Jews, do not believe. Muslims believe Jesus was born of a virgin. They do believe that. He is to be revered and respected. They do believe that. Was a prophet, a wise teacher who worked miracles, ascended to heaven, and will come again. But they also believe that Judas hung on the cross and not our Savior. That there's a transformation that took place. And then there's other religions that, man, they almost mirror Christianity. Mormonism is not Christianity. Jehovah Witness is not Christianity. Listen to this. They believe Jesus was created by God and lived in heaven. Created. Which makes Him equal to Satan. That's demonic. And then He lived in heaven before He came to earth. His name was the Word, so we can kind of agree on that one. But they deny the deity of Christ in His pre-existence. Us as believers, we believe Christ always existed. He is uncreated. That's why He's the only way, the truth, and the life. And they believe that He was conceived by Mary through Michael the archangel. He did die on a stake instead of a cross, but was not resurrected in the bodily form, but in spiritual form only, but appeared to be physical, which is heresy within the early church. 
And I believe it's going to make its resurgence. Gnosticism, which was dead and gone, I think it's kind of creeping its way back into the church. There's no other religion. And I don't even want to say religion. There's no one else whom we can go to the Father but through Jesus. That is why we are different. That is what we need to hang our hats on. Nothing else. That is why we can sit in a room together and have different opinions and celebrate the different opinions but believe in one thing. Or you know what I mean by one thing. Okay, I had to go back there because it was a statement that I feel in my spirit that needed to be said. Second one is a new commandment. Hang on with me. It really isn't a new commandment though, is it? But yet, it is. Because when we look in the Word, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also ought to love one another. Here's the deal. Before it was love your neighbors and hate your enemies. And he said that earlier. Or he didn't say that earlier. He said love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it easy? But he ups it, doesn't he? He said, bless your enemies. Bless your enemies. You're to love and a true love. And I'm going to talk about how to know a true love in just a minute. But what is this love that he was talking about? I'm going to go to two places and I'm going to say the first one real quickly. The difference of the agape love that Christ gave to His disciples was a sacrificial love. How do we know this? Because He challenges us husbands to love your lives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. That is true sacrificial love. And I remember making that vow to my lovely wife. Even saying, oh, those are beautiful vows. From non-believers were saying this to me. Those are beautiful vows. And then it dawned on me, wow, I have to live that out. And the more, and I always say this, but the more years I get with her, the easier it becomes. But the more I know Jesus that's the true of it becoming easier. So we wonder about this. Well, what is love? How am I to respond? And we are to love one another. And I will say this. We are not to love the world less. We are not to love the world, the people of the world less. But we are to love each other more. Okay, go to 1 Corinthians, and we all know these scriptures. But I want us to measure ourselves up according to scripture. Letting the scripture tell us how we are doing. 
And we all know it's the love chapter. But let's check our hearts how we're doing these days. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as so, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And this is even more real. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, ouch, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Can you imagine giving your life for the sake of Christ and you having no love and Paul tells us that it means nothing? I don't want to get burned for nothing. But I will tell you this, the fathers of the faith who were burned at the stake loved people till the end. What did Stephen do when he was stoned? Love till the end. What did Christ do when he was on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. That is agape love. And I don't want my sacrifices in this life or my passionate preaching or, or the way I act to, to be gone away with because I lack love. Sacrificial love for the body of Christ. Okay, so what is love? Love is patient. Have you been patient recently? Love is kind. Have you been unkind recently? It is not jealous. Have you been jealous lately? Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Have you bragged? And are you arrogant? Does not act unbecomingly. Ouch! That hits. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Ouch! does not take uh, into account a wrong suffered. Ouch! Okay, I'll stop saying ouch. I get it. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy... They will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For now we see in part, and I'll stop here, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, we won't need those things. But the perfect has not come yet. We still need these things. That's love. Here's the deal. I've been in the church long enough to see Pharisees and Sadducees. The rule followers. 
And it scares me for certain parts of Christianity because they know the Bible well. And yet they use the Bible as a tool to tear down instead of build up. And here's what Jesus said. Matthew 23, 25-28 Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And we have, uh, just recently in our days, in our history as a family, we have noticed something, and I won't visit the specifics, but everything on the outside looked great! It looked great! And then when you got to look on the inside, we were told it's not great. And then we begin to think spiritually. Could it be that we look good on the outside and we are dying on the inside? Could it be we have reached a point on the outside, but the inside has plateaued. So when Christ returns, what will He see? What will He see? That scares me. That scares me. And you know this command to love? is all wrapped up in John 15, and we're going to look at it, but at the end of the abiding, without love, you cannot abide in Christ. How could you? It's an impossibility, because He says, you do what I say, and my followers do what I do, and we can do nothing on our own. And we'll look at that later, but you see, I don't know about you, but I, I, I worry for my own self and for your sakes and for everyone's sake. Is like we can't, we've got to do this right. This too will pass. I believe that with all my heart. But we need to stand on firm ground. We need to get through this together and we can do it by loving one another. And she's, way to go, Lee. You got that slide up there. Thank you. Listen to this, guys. Therefore, the community of believers must be a refuge. A place of unparalleled affections and service that will at once set it apart from its environment. 
When people see you, when they come into this church, they should find a refuge, a safe place. And glory be to God. Everyone that visits our church talks about that. But as I'm always am, I'm satisfied with nothing. But satisfied with everything. I know it's a weird predicament to be in. But we can always do better, can't we? We can. Where we fall short on sacrificial love, we need to up our game and say, you know what? I'm going to give even if it costs me for this body so that when the world looks at this body, when the world looks at this body, I hope that just worked. And you can take a little mask break and kind of, and then put it back. I was getting dizzy worshiping. I'm like, whoa. But here's the deal. Point number three I have to get here. And I will tell you, Romans 8 is a go-to for the believer. I believe unless one has a profound experience of being loved, it is virtually impossible to express profound love for another. You see, early in the a couple, maybe a decade ago or when I was first in belief, it was the, the, the saying was, you got to love yourself so you can love your neighbor. Yeah, I, I agree with the heart behind it. If I can't love myself, then I have a harder time loving others. I get that. But it has to go above ourselves because if we look at ourselves, we fall short, don't we? We know it to be true. But Christ has shed His love in our hearts by His glorification and by showing us how to love. But here's the deal. And some of you understand this, and I have been there, and I am no longer there. Accepting the Father's love. Romans 8. You can turn there with me to verse, and we know the scripture. A lot of you do by heart, but not everybody. Is the affections of the Father is that we have to come to know the love of God. And it says this. And oh, what a day we need to hear it. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Dr. Sorry. I said I would not do that. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril? And I was going to say nudity there so you guys can't make fun of me. But or peril, or sore, just as it is written. For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor the things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? Can we say it again one more time? Amen. Nothing, nothing I have it written in the back of my Bible because I too need to hear the truth all the time. The love of the Father is freely given to us. He loves us because He wanted to love us. There was, there is nothing in us to give God any reason why He should love us. You need to believe God loves you, that His heart is filled with love to you, and accept His Word for it. God loves us when there is nothing in us to deserve His love or to cause Him to love us. That's why Jesus is the only Way. But here's the deal. We have this great, great responsibility as believers to give that love to others. We have the greatest of responsibility to give that love to others. Remember, I talked last week about stumbling blocks. Woe to those who, through whom offenses come. Church, we can do better. We can do better. But it starts in-house. So what I'd like to ask you guys to do is you guys come. Is to pray for one another in these seasons in this time. To reach out to one another in these times. Continue to have fellowship with one another in these times. And if we can just do this right, we'll see the glory of God. You see, for me, it starts in my family. And then it trickles out to my neighbors and my community. But it also starts with you guys. And the truth is, the matter is, we don't always love well, do we? Do we? Let's just be honest. We don't always love well. But let's pray for one another that we would. So as we get ready to take communion, would you stand with me? And just to make light of a hard situation, they did say if you're eating at the table, you can take your mask off. It was awkward. Me and Melissa went to, out to eat last night and people didn't know what to do. But as we were sitting at the table, it's all freedom. So you can remove your mask, please. And take your cup this morning. You see, we need to focus on unity.
We need to focus on love. And before we take the communion, Christ gave His blood for a new covenant and His body was broken so that we could experience His love, so that we could be in unity. So if we're not unified, we need to check our hearts and ask the Lord, why not? Because we do this in unity. We do this in unity. So as we open it up this morning, the Scripture is very plain that His body was broken for us. And we already looked that as He washed the disciples' feet, He broke the bread, He gave it to them, and then He said, My body is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of Me. So as we take of this bread, we remember that His body was broken for our sins. And then on the night He was betrayed... He took the cup. And he actually had longed to have this last supper with the disciples. And he said, this is my new covenant. And as often as you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. So when we drink this blood, all our sins are washed away. All of our sins are dealt with at the cross and the blood of Christ. And we do this, this is remembrance of what He has done for us. So let's drink together in unity. Let's pray together and then we'll worship together. And I would like you just, we'll have a trash can in the back that you can throw these away. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that Your Word is true. I thank You that Your Word lacks nothing. But Father, would You help Your church to be empowered afresh by Your Spirit? That we would not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Fulfilling Your law, Lord, of how to live as believers and disciples, Lord. And I know that some of us, we struggle more than others and we're on a path of growth, Lord. But Lord, even in the midst of all this path, Jesus, we declare together that You are the way, the truth, and the life. It's not according to our works, but according to Your work. And we just say thank You, Lord. Would You revive Your church? Would you cause your church in the midst of division and a divisive nation to be one? And that we would all together call on your name. The promise is that we will be saved. And so Jesus, we call on your name. Be glorified, lead our hearts and our thoughts and our actions. I ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.